morning. Two idiots reading the SCP files over their intercom. Please cover your ears and wait for further instructions. Yeehaw. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I am going to have to cut that out. That was way too fucking loud. <laughs> no, I was doing the anime opening. Oh, God. No, just edit it. Just edit it. Easy. Don't cut it out. Okay. Tantini, don't forget to edit this bit. Welcome to the SCP Discovering... Welcome to Discovering SCP Podcast with me, Tantoni, and my And me, friends. Darnell. Yeah, him. And today... We're going to be looking at three SCPs, count them three, and one tail. Yeah, so we're mixing you know, it up. I thought we were going to have dedicated tails episodes, but Tan just does not give a care about formatting. I don't give a the fuck format. about the rules. Oi, did you just use a curse? Yeah. Look, I've been watching Airline, and I know that if you curse too many times, that Leo will come for you. With extremely specific reference. Nobody uh, listening to this podcast is gonna get any any British viewers that also happen to have watched the early two thousand show airline. They know what I'm talking about. Well, I do. Anyway, yeah, you do. So we're gonna begin with the tale. See, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you best link me the tale. And here it is. It is the SCP Ethics Committee orientation. Ethics committee orientation. You have laughed at these folks before, I believe. I did. I was like, how could the SCP possibly have an ethics committee? How foolish. Oh my god, and it has more upvotes than like all your SCPs. Yeah, you comment this on every article, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Just any way to put you down, because I, ever since you got me that one time. You're negging me. I'm negging you? Yeah, that's what it is. It actually kind of is. It's messed up. Okay, who's reading? You or me, or are we popcorning? Uh, well, it's one person speaking. It's a monologue, so it'd be weird to popcorn it. All right, you do this then. Okay, I was gonna say you're really good at monologuing. You're really talented and have a great voice. Okay, see, see, that's me coming back from the nagging with a compliment. You're you're manipulating me now. Yes, it's working. I planted the seed. Let's begin. Good afternoon, Doctor. Sit down. Your schedule's been cleared. Do not attempt to leave the room until you are told this session is over. The door is already locked, but it is crucial you pay attention. Good. You are now part of the SCP Foundation's Ethics Committee. This is not a demotion. <laughs> it's considered a demotion. It's not a demotion, you just said. <laughs> I know, but like the fact that he had to say that means it's considered one. Sit down. Yes, you're terrified. You think you're being punished for some failure, some lapse of judgment, some horrible disaster that you were involved with. You think that your career at the Foundation is over. You might have even thought that transferred to the Ethics Committee is a euphemism for killed. This is not the case. You'll notice I said killed instead of terminated. That's a deliberate choice. On the Ethics Committee, we don't use euphemisms. Oh, how brave. Actually, that's kind of, I wish they would just do that normally. <laughs> because of the work that the SCP Foundation does, a lot of personnel think that the idea of the Foundation having an Ethics Committee is just a bad joke. Or like they- me. Or well, they know that the committee exists, but they've got the impression that we're an ineffectual laughingstock. A bunch of purposeless seat fillers who wear rubber stamp that says approved and never dare to voice an objection. Yes, I see you've heard the jokes. Here's one. How many members of the ethics committee does it take to change a light bulb? None! The ethics committee can't change anything. No, it's alright, you're meant to laugh. <laughs> We 
We're making efforts to sustain the impression that we're useless because we are the secret power within the SCP Foundation. Sit down. Yes, there are... What? Yes, there are the O5s. They judge what it is, is and isn't safe, and that's a vital and important function. But we are the ones who advise the O5s on what is and what is not acceptable. You've done horrible, awful things while working for the Foundation. Don't try to deny it, Doctor. We've all done horrible, awful things while working for the Foundation. That is one of the unavoidable consequences of working with SCPs. And on occasion, you've wondered if we are the quote-unquote bad guys. Well, we're not. And that is because of the Ethics Committee. This is your first lesson. Do you understand? Yes, sir. <laughs> Remember this. The Foundation is not evil. We do not torture people just because. We are against unnecessary cruelty, which means somebody has to decide when cruelty is necessary, and that somebody is us. Stop trembling. I'm trembling. Stop, oh. stop trembling, Darnell. <laughs> Sorry. You know what that reminds me of is Project Montauk, though, because remember they tried to put that clue, like, don't believe them? Hmm. Why would they try to help her or whatever? Yeah. Interesting. It is important that you remember this. Here's your second lesson. The Foundation does not rule the world. The Foundation serves the world. Do you understand what that means? Regardless of what the general population might think it wants, what we do, what the Foundation does, is in the overall best interests of that general population. Yes, I'm sure you did realise that already, but you haven't thought of the deeper implications. You've consoled yourself by thinking that all that torture and murder is for the greater good. This implies that there is a greater good, and a lesser good. It implies there are multiple distinct goods, and that these can be quantified and compared. This is what we on the Ethics Committee does. We are the ones who balance the moral costs of everything the Foundation does. And in order to balance those costs, we must know those costs. Do you realise what that means, Doctor? It means that we know everything the Foundation does, has done, and will ever do. Everything that has ever been redacted or expunged, we know it. Every last detail. Oh, God. Yes, including what SCP-4472 does when it comes wait, in contact wait. with dead bodies. Yes, we wait. know exactly what procedure 110 Montauk is, too. We should. We're the ones who designed it. Wait a minute, Tan. Hmm? Does this mean they know what date Iris was born? They know the minute. <laughs> Such vital information. No, it's quite alright. A common reaction. Perhaps we shouldn't schedule these meetings directly after lunch, I suppose. Here, wipe your mouth. Why would I vo- This guy- like, the things he's saying aren't that scary. Why does he keep acting like the person he's talking to is horrified? <laughs> You will no longer be participating in active research. You may consider yourself a researcher at large, flitting from one project to another, from one site to another, it will. This is not a secret. You're welcome to tell all your friends that you've been transferred to the Ethics Committee, if you can deal with the jokes and the pity. You will observe what is done, and ask the participants, and yourself, why it is being done. If at any point you feel that something's excessive or unnecessary or wrong, you inform us. We'll summon the people involved and ask them questions in that meek, ineffectual way that your co-workers have mocked. And then word will filter down from the O5s through the many levels of our bureaucracy, and those who are unethical will be given reprimands that we noted on their permanent record, or their pay will be cut, or they will be demoted, or be transferred to another project, or they will be shot for crimes against humanity. Oh, epic. This is your third lesson. Remember it. The Wait, what does he mean by third lesson? Are there like two other lessons you learn when you join SCP? But yeah, he's been going. Second lesson is Foundation does not rule the world. This he didn't mention them through the thing. Oh, sorry. I guess just because they, they didn't specifically say first and second, I got confused. The P stands for protect. 
The Foundation protects humanity from SCPs, and we protect the Foundation from itself. We judge what is and not acceptable for the Foundation to do. We balance evils so that, on the whole, and in the long run, evil is minimised. No, you don't have a choice about being on the committee. Yes, the irony is lovely, isn't it? That's kind of funny to me, because there's so many things that become more interesting with this knowledge, assuming it's canon. Mm. I mean, I know nothing on the SCP can You know what I mean. Yeah. But, um, like, for example, uh, like, they made it seem like it was an 05 decision that uh, said, finally, you can kill Shy Guy, but the ethics committee most likely had an impact on that. Right, yeah. Influence that. that. Like, that kind of thing. A lot really of people take this as canon because it's really interesting. I'm one of them. And also the whole shot for Crimes Against Humanity reminds me how they said they were going to kill the doctor who worked on Shy Guy. Mm. It's just like, oh, you know, it just clicks. And I really like that they brought up Montauk. Like, I mentioned it earlier, too. I think that's a great example for this. This is very cool. You know what? Uh, it's really hard to rate it because it's not a traditional article. It's it's literally a monologue. Yeah, it's so nice I don't think I'll give it an out of 10, but I, I did like it a lot. Thumbs up. Yes, thumbs up. Okay, and that's the first one that we have today. The second one is a, uh, and it, of course, it's, actually we haven't said the author yet, so let me just get that up. Oh, sorry, good call. And that is by Vokt. Um, was this written in season two? This, I'm not sure when exactly it was written. I think it, it was in 2011. So it had to be season one, because yeah, season very... one was like 2012. Okay. And that is by Bucked. Oh, look at his look at his profile. It's a bunch of cute baby possums. Hell yes. Hell yes. Okay, now for the second SCP, the first SCP of the day. Even this was just a tale. If you could link it to SCP me, SCP fourteen thirty seven. This one's called A Hill to Another Place. Oh wow! I wonder who wrote this one. Oh, oh how surprising! <laughs> oh wait! Oh how embarrassing! This is one of mine. <laughs> oh wow, interesting. It has less upvotes than the ethics committee. Hmm. That is interesting. Okay, so we can see our image here. We've got a bit of a uh, oh, hole in the ground. It was written in 2012, young tan honey. <laughs> and we can see the image of SCP-1437 before containment there. It's a big hole. Aww. So let's get started. <laughs> Never mind, I can't make that joke. Go ahead. Yes. So item number, SCP-1437. Object class, Safe. Special containment procedures. It's to be contained behind a perimeter of two meter tall electrical fencing, which will be patrolled by groups of three security officers at all times. You can tell this is an old one because I'm doing that annoying thing where I say the number twice. I actually like that because um, a lot of times that is done mm. in actual documentation. If you ever have read, um, like, a lot of geology papers do that. Never mind, I'm being boring. Continue. Yeah, people like it. Any trespassers attempting to access it are to be brought into custody, interrogated, and if found to be ignorant of its nature, dosed with a Class A amnestic and released. Any items or organisms which emerge from SCP-1437 are to be immediately tested for hazards, and if found safe, examined further. Experimentation involving SCP-1437 is strictly forbidden. So what do we think so far? Um, I like it. I mean, this is one of the few ones that I have never read it, so I don't know all the exact details or what the examples are going to be, but you've told me you've wrote a, about a hole that's done, like, gone to multiple places. Right, yeah. Um, also, I love how when it's your SCP, you'll, you'll like, stop me and ask my thoughts, like, every... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> description SCP-1437 <laughs> is apparently endless hole, measuring 3 meters by 3 meters, located in the 
I assume that's a well. The picture is not. You wrote it. it. You yeah. get to pick what it is. You don't have to assume. <laughs> I wrote it eight years ago. <laughs> Sahara Desert. Uh, yes, that it doesn't work quite as well as it did now because the image is quite clearly not in the Sahara Desert. It's quite clearly in a field. Yeah, that's because the image had to be replaced at some point because of copyright. But we'll just. What was the first image? Is it in the files? Uh, it might be. It's, it a, it's, a, it's another hole in the ground. So. Oh god, the first one's huge. Yeah, so let's just let's, let's look at all the pictures of holes for the moment. Attempts right, to yeah. dig into it from the side, resulting in the diggers encountering solid rock where logic would dictate the hole would be. It's thus only accessible from the entrance above ground. That's kind of cool. SCP-1437 appears to be an access point to an as-of-yet-unknown number of parallel universes. Objects have been known to periodically emerge from the hole at great speeds, including... Wait, wait, I have a quick question. Yes. Is 1437 at all responsible for 5,000? Uh, it's not, but it is mentioned in that one. Okay, cool. So, one US quarter, which is the first known object's emergence. Oh my god! Hmm? Why didn't they write what year the quarter was from? They could have been, like, the years from, like, way in the future, like 3,086. <laughs> that would have been so cool. Large quantities of dirt and rocks, believed to be attempted by a parallel containment team to fill in the corresponding SCP-1437. I love how the first objects that that were found from a hole that literally goes to other dimensions are things you can literally just find in the dirt normally. <laughs> like a quarter and rocks. So, uh, a map of North America written in Spanish. According to said map, the government of North America is La Republica Popul Popular de Aguanuvis, or the People's Republic of New Waters. Oh, that is not good. Actually, that is pretty solid Spanish. Yeah, I think it was a Spanish person actually corrected my initial one there. Yeah, I was going to say. A photograph oh. of a skyline, believed to be a radically altered version of New York's. Structures resembling coral are visible, and a large flying organism can be seen in the distance. That is dope. Several discs made from solid gold. Accompanying the disc was a sheet of paper reading, Please send rain. Did anyone pour water down the hole afterwards? They all pissed into it. That's fucked. The ethics had them shot. <laughs> no, we're shutting that down. So, uh, why did you do that? During uh, a period lasting from uh, 2001 to 2019. See, this is the book. kind of censoring I like because that makes more sense to me. Hmm. It's like not over. It's not like overly unnecessary. That's reasonable censoring. Numerous individuals, most of whom wore D-class uniforms, emerged from SCP-1437. All of them were dead on arrival. And we've got oh, a footnote here. So it's theorized that the nature of SCP-1437 kills living organisms at the point at which cross uh, So you can only ever send things through a message. Yeah, so you can't just walk, jump into the hole because you'll die when you switch universe. Well, what if you... I wonder if there's, like, if someone like Kane could go, could get through. Maybe. Or is someone like 682, what would happen to them? Because hmm. that would be a way to kill 682, wouldn't it? Just throw it in the hole? Someone has suggested that, and they would say, what if everyone else sends their 682s in? <laughs> and then if one of one comes out. <laughs> oh, God. It's currently... All emerging individuals carry documents which appear to be their respective universes' documentation on SCP-1437. It's currently believed that these D-class personnel and previously mentioned documentation were sent as a gesture of desired cooperation. Oh, so we have actually. I kind of like the idea of maybe six eight two is the only thing that survives the hole, and the only way people have ever been able to deal with it is to send it to another uh, reality through the hole. Hmm. Like that's how they get rid of it, and that's how it just suddenly came to be over okay. here. 
Okay. So anyway, there's some emerged documentation I'm really interested in reading. Let's go over this. Go the first one. So individual carrying the documentation appeared to be in adequate physical condition. Individual was wearing a pressure suit with an attached oxygen supply. Except he still died though. Yeah, they were dead though. So item number SCP-1437 safety rating safe for public. Isn't that the opposite of what an SCP is though? Mm. Is that they are all things that have to be hidden from the public, even if it's just a normal guy with a fish head? Well, this is from another universe. Oh, that's so, true. Safety procedures. Unauthorized citizens should be kept at a safe distance from the SCP at all times. Any authorized tours of the area to be accompanied by two security officers for their own protection. Taking of photographs is to be permitted. Any citizens attempting to go past safety fencing are to be arrested and handed over to local law enforcement. Okay, so in this universe, the SCP, the foundation is like a common knowledge thing. Yeah. Interesting. Description. SCP-1437 is apparently endless hole, measuring 10 meters by 10 meters, so quite a bit bigger here. Located yeah. in the town of Promise. Attempts to dig into it from the side, resulting in diggers encountering solid rock, where logic would dictate the hole would be. It can only be accessed from the entrance above ground. It appears to be an access point into an as-of-yet-unknown number of parallel universes. Objects have been known to periodically emerge from it at great speeds, including... Oh, this is interesting, because it wasn't... It, they didn't come out at... Oh, it did come out at great speeds in the first one. So, one small pyramid composed of concrete, the first known object's emergence believed to be a building material. What if that just struck someone in the head, though? <laughs> Large quantities of dirt and rocks. Again, people are trying to fill it in from the other side. Oh, that's what that comes from. So, some, some dicker keeps trying to do it, it's ended up everywhere. You know someone's pissed in that hole. Yeah. A landscape painting believed to be of a location in Scotland. According to the painting, its originating universe's sun is blue and its sky yellow. Oh, that's cool. Several discs made from solid gold. Accompanying the disc was a sheet of paper reading, Please Stop Plague. Wow, the foundation... <laughs> is this like their last-ditch effort is to ask for help through the hole? And just hope someone happens to send something and it gets to their universe? Not necessarily... Not every universe doesn't necessarily have a foundation, though, so... Could be something way out there. Maybe it's another cult. I would love to hear of a cult that like uses gold discs to ask for help. Mm. A photograph of several scientists. All scientists pictured have unusually long fingers, estimated to be nearly 25 centimeters long. A sheet of paper reading, thank you, please send more gifts. <laughs> I like the gold disc thing, though, actually, because it implies that that is one parallel universe that repeatedly shows up in other other people's reports. Yeah. It gives consistency to them, which I really like. Very smart of you, 16-year-old Tanhoney. Thank you, thank you. During a period lasting from 2009 to 2012... Oh, I'm full of shit, because I, I don't censor it in this one. Those are the actual dates. Well, no, but remember, this is a universe where the Foundation's public. Yeah, but I mean, like, the dates I said before are clearly wrong. <laughs> I mean, um... Yeah. yeah, so... On one hand, sure, but, like, I kind of like the idea that maybe... Uh, it would be weird for them... Because you know how you say sick when you say, we didn't edit this, this is how it was spelled? Yeah. What if there was like a marking for like we we didn't we redacted this, but it wasn't originally redacted in the original document? Right. Yeah. We redacted it because it would affect us. That would be cool. Okay. So numerous individuals, most of whom wore bright orange jumpsuits. Interesting. They don't have D class, so they don't say D class uniforms. Yeah. Emerged from the hall, all of whom were dead on arrival. All emerging individuals carried documents, which appear to be their respective universe's documentation on one four three seven. It's currently believed that this individual and documents in the carried were sent as a gesture of desired cooperation. 
On the 15th of August 2012, a volunteer from the Foundation, Marco Purton, entered 1437 wearing safety gears, taking with him a copy of this document. Oh, I bet there was like a locket around his neck too with his family in it. My girl back home. This is my last day in the Foundation, then I get to retire. <laughs> okay. Alright, let's look at the next one. Emerge documentation too. Individual carrying documentation was in adequate physical condition. The phrase property of SCP Corporation was branded on the individual's left arm. Oh, so this guy, it implies he's like a slave of some sort. Mm. Item designation, SCP-1437. Threat level, little. (laughs) (laughs) Little. Special containment procedures. It should be contained behind a perimeter of two meter tall electrical fencing, which should be patrolled by groups of three security officers at all times. Well, so that's similar to the one they have. Yeah. Any trespassers attempting to access it are to be charged with the crime of industrial espionage. Oh, so the Foundation's more like a company in this one. Mm. Any items or organisms which emerge from it are to be immediately tested for hazards, and if found safe, examined further. After examination, suitable items are to be auctioned off to interesting collectors. Yeah, so, so it's definitely more of a business. Mm. They're seeking profit. Okay, so it's uh, apparently endless hole measuring one meter by one meter. This one's quite small. Located in the... Wow. Yeah, I wonder where. The Australian Outback. (laughs) (laughs) Like any other place has something called the Outback. Attempts to dig into it from the side resulting in the diggers encountering solid rock where logic would dictate the SP would be. It's thus only accessible from the entrance above ground. And it's an access point to an as-of-yet-unknown number of parallel universes. Objects have been known to periodically emerge from it at great speeds, including a statue of what is believed to be a reptilian entity, sporting numerous eyes oh. and tails. Oh, but, is that 682? Uh, there wasn't meant to be, but you're not the first one to say that, so I guess it's now retroactively 682. <laughs> first known <laughs> adjustments. What was it supposed to be, or is it just supposed to be a creepy object? It's a lizard statue. Oh. Large quantities of dirt and rocks, believed to be an attempt by a parallel containment team to fill in their corresponding SCP. A glass bottle of water. A human femur covered in saliva. A cube composed of several smaller cubes, all of which are different colors. (laughs) Purpose unknown. A Rubik's Cube? (laughs) And a soccer ball. Ball only has five sides. Wait, what? Yeah, crazy, right? How does a ball have sides? Weird universe. Huh. And also, their soccer balls are quite clearly not the same as ours, because they're, like, only five. Yeah. So, during a period lasting from 2,000 blank to 20 blank, numerous individuals, most of which wore D-class uniforms, emerged from SCP-1437, all of which were dead on arrival. I like how D-class are... I, 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 did, I forgot I did this, but D-class in this one I referred to, like, with which, rather than who. Yeah. That is interesting. So let me just pat myself on the back. No, I I did notice that. That's pretty interesting. Because uh, normally the SCP Foundation calls them its or refers to them as humans. So being like witch kind of adds to that whole treating them like an object. But normally they only do that to the SCPs, not their workers. Hmm. Also, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, 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 go on. No, I was going to... It's because I read a line ahead oh. that I wanted to comment on. The fact that it is apparently impossible for tra- to travel through 1437 and survive has prevented the corporation from utilizing it for commercial purposes. Yeah, I was going to say that only furthers my idea of this is definitely more of a company. Yeah. So the very first SCP we know is like a, pro- a secret organization. Then we have one that's like a public uh, force for good, sort of like the cops. And then this one's like a private company hmm. uh, that's in it for profit. All emerging individuals. Yeah. Oh, sorry, got it. No, no, yeah, no. 
I was going to say, because a lot of SCPs, I feel like, could be commoditized based on their abilities. Mm. Especially, like, I could totally imagine the 47 pills that cure anything being auctioned for, like, millions and billions of dollars. Yeah, absolutely. The wealthiest of the wealthy. All emerging individuals carry documents which appear to be their respective universe's documentation on 1437. It's currently uh, believed that they were these personnel and previously mentioned documents were sent as a gesture of desired cooperation. It's personnel have been sent through the whole carrying copies of this document. You know, it'd be really sad mm-hmm. if there was an emerged document. If there was an emerged documentation of like a world where there wasn't SCP or the hole was found before the SCP found it, it's like a child came through. Oh no! With like a journal or something. It's just like, I found this hole today and was going to invite Ryan. I think I'm going to explore it. Okay, and now we have uh, number, number three. three. So, indiv- so far, I really like this, though, a lot. Oh, thank you. So, individual carrying documentation was wrapped in bandages and appeared to have been blinder than recent past. Lacerations were present on the arms and legs and the individual's tongue had been cut out. Object number, SCP-1437. Heaven level. Unforgivable. Oh, so I take it in this world, the SCP Foundation's a religious organization. This guy was sent as punishment. Holding measures. High Priest Blank is to bless the holding site of SCP-1437 every two, two years. And blood sacrifices have been dropped into it after each blessing. Blood sacrifices to hold copies of these scrolls as a warning to any demons to stay away. Spirits had to be consulted after these sacrifices and su- suggested changes to holding measures that would be carried out immediately. Okay, so SCPs are considered as, like, unholy abominations and spirits and demons. That's kind of interesting. So SCP-1437 is an apparently endless hole measuring three meters by three meters located in the blank desert. Attempts to dig into it from the side resulting in a discus sound which solid rock where logic would dictate the SCP would be. It's only accessible from its entrance above ground. SCP-1437 appears to be a portal to the underworld. <laughs> Objects have been known to purge alive meteorites at great speeds, including several discs made from solid gold. The company disc was a sheet of paper reading, Please kill foes. I just realized something. Mm-hmm. It took me so long, like, discs of solid gold, because I kept imagining them like like old records in, in the term of disc. But I think I just realized what you were going for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are these just, like, golden coins, and they're, like, paying people to do stuff? Kind of, yeah. Not coins as we had have them, but it's sort of their equivalent. Right, that's what I was, like, for the longest time, I was like, you know how, like, you launch stuff with messages, but I was like, oh, maybe this is, like, their form of, like, paying people to do stuff. <laughs> it's really funny to me. I hope they show up in the last one, in four. Large quantities of dirt and rocks, believed to be an attempt by demons to harm the High Priest Blank, who was present at the holding site of the time. It's only three letters, there's not a lot of names that could be, like Bob, Tom, Lynn. The broken remains of a human arm, covered in saliva. A photograph of a metal bird flying away from a city. What appears to be a large mushroom is visible behind the bird. Believed to be an attempt by demons at mocking us. Oh, so maybe maybe their religious organization park has... Well, no, I was going to say it seems like they might be further behind technologically, but in the picture, there's a normal-looking house and, like, mm. telephone lines. A human eye which moved when touched, believed to be a lesser demon, was burnt immediately. Oh. During a period lasting from 2000 blank to 20 blank, dead demons wearing the skins of men emerged from the pits. They were thrown back in immediately, and the site was reblessed by High Priest Blank. Oh, my God. Alright, what's the last one? Last one is uh, Big Hole. 
Well, this one looks a little more similar to as we know them. Yeah, so individual carrying documentation was a heavily emaciated pre-adolescent who appeared to have been lobotomized in the recent past. Oh, so I, I called it with the child! So, item oh. number SCP-1437. Object class safe, so we're finally back in uh, normal foundation, it seems. To an extent, anyways. Yeah. I imagine there's going to be yeah. something different. Special containment procedures. SCP-1437 has been contained behind a perimeter of two meter tall electrical fencing, which will be patrolled by groups of three security officers at all times. Any trespassers attempting to access it are to be delivered to our masters above for enhanced interrogation. Any items or organisms which emerge from it are to be immediately tested for hazards, and if found safe, and examined further. Any useful technology which emerges from 1437 is to be delivered to our masters above immediately. So it kind of makes it sound like in this world the SCP organization serves someone higher. Hmm. So description. SCP-1437 is apparently endless hole measuring three, me- three, three digit meters by three digit meters located in zone 29 of the Brazilian sector. Attempts to dig into it from the side result in the diggers encountering solid rock where logic would dictate the hole would be. So it can all be accessed from the dimensions above ground. SCP-1437 appears to be an access point to an as-of-yet-unknown number of parallel universes. Objects believed to be gifts intended for our masters above have been known to periodically emerge from it at great speeds, including... One diamond. First known gift delivered to our masters above. Oh, God! <laughs> Large quantities of dirt and rocks. Purpose unknown. Bark from the extinct Quercus Buclei. Delivered to our masters above. The lower half of a human body, delivered to supervising servant of our masters above. It's currently unknown how the gift sender was aware of the diet of our masters above. A document was <laughs> sent into the hall, thanking the gift giver for the object and requesting okay. further tribute well, to our masters the implication above. that either this organization isn't made up of humans, or that these humans are subservient to people that eat humans, and that must be what all the arms and stuff were sent for. They meant to get it to this guy. Ooh. And a bottle of human intended wine, see incident 1437-1. So the incident, on blank blank blank, a bottle of human intended wine emerged from 1437. Recognising an assassination attempt upon members of our masters above, the supervising servant ordered that a Don Burton explosive device, which links to another one of my articles I wrote much later, okay, uh, be delivered down SCP-1437. Its orders were followed and the threat appears to have been resolved. So... <clears throat> This is a reminder of why we must be vigilant in our containment procedures. From now on, I don't want any of these gifts being taken out of containment. They are clear and present danger to our masters above. 051. So, this article, I really like it. Mm. But I think what makes it shine more than the SCP itself is how you utilized it to tell a narrative of multiple dimensions and different ways of how the world could have turned out and how they handled it. Um, it essentially... in posits alternate ideas of what the scp foundation could be um not that the scp itself like what it does isn't interesting but that seems to be where the real meat of the article is in and um i find it really interesting i like that you used censoring well i liked the recurring themes amongst the different documentation that could be pieced together this is one that i would almost like um maybe there is a separate page but you know how there's like a page for um uh, six eight two testing that anyone can add to, or like with the with Doctor Gears's machine thing that anyone can add to, and if it's liked well enough, it stays. Right. Yeah. I would love a page where people could add more emerged documentations. That be would be really cool to me. Um, I really like this though. I want to give it. Pro- I'd probably give it a ten out of ten. And I, I, 
Again, I know um, maybe to viewers that might seem biased because Tanhoney is, of course, my co-host and friend. But just like I poop on him all the time to try and make up for that, I really do enjoy his writing a lot. So, And this is no exception. Uh, I thought this was a really good article. I liked it. And I'm glad we finally got the chance to read it. I just hope we can see more things involving this in the future, whether that be tales or other documentation. Well, you may uh, you may be happy with that because there are... Well, something we'll get to in a later episode is I actually wrote some more sort of sweet cool SCPs today. So like, like four, three of the universes that have the SCPs from their own universe on the main list now. Really? Yeah. So sort of unrelated to the actual whole. It's just something from like their setting. So three of these documentations have their whole own settings? Well, uh, uh, an SCP set in their universe, yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right, so what's next on the docket today? So the next one is SCP-1364, and this is by uh, Famine Pulse. Famine Pulse. And this one is called Ultra Vulnerable Mammal. Ooh, it's like got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, uh, not edited. Also, how do you know it's by Famine Pulse? It says account deleted. Yeah, because he deleted his account once and then made it again. Oh... Uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Not edited. That like he put all this graphs and formatted. Yeah, it's yeah. like formatted. Okay, there we go. And there is actually, if you want to look in the pictures, there is a file there that's been deleted because of copyright. Uh, sure. Let me check. I love how we're just exposing these people and maybe get them in trouble again. No, no, it's not trouble. It's just all this... what is it? It's like a an anteater. It yeah, looks so like? a picture of an anteater there. Is that the SCP? Yeah. Oh, I accidentally. Ex Hang on, I gotta go back to the SCP now. All right. Continue. Yeah, so this is the ultra vulnerable mammal. Let's get into it. Oh, is it like easy to kill instantly? Item number SCP 1364, object class safe. Special containment procedures. At this time, there are no means of keeping it completely safe, and methods are currently being re researched into minimization of damage dealt to it. It should be contained with oh. two interconnected 10 meter by 10 meter by 5 meter chambers, with 40 centimeter padded impact resistant polyester lining on all inside surfaces. The area should remain completely devoid of light and external sounds. The containment chamber should be kept completely empty to ensure it remains docile and healthy. Any observation of damage taken by SCP-1364 or any signs of pain should be dealt with promptly with any resources available to aid in minimizing damage. So just by the sound in the first paragraph, how'd they even find this thing before it died? <laughs> so one or cell... Not die? Is that like its thing? Let's see. So one cell is to be kept at a temperature of 20 degrees Celsius at all times. The cell opposite is to be kept at 30 degrees Celsius. The chamber should be positioned in such a way to provide easy access between each for SCP-1364. Personnel are forbidden to interact with it in any way, save for manipulation of a projector using shadows to depict calming situations on the wall of its containment chamber. <laughs> this guy sounds like a real snowflake. A foundation-issued audio <laughs> CD entitled Nature Sounds is to be kept on... Sorry? What's that word people always use when they like make fun of SJWs or whatever? It's like the the safe space. Uh, Needs a safe space. Or else will die. <laughs> so the nature sounds on constant playback within the cell at a volume of 10 decibels, looping alongside playback similar to shepherd tones. The chamber itself <laughs> is to be filtered for contaminants on a low cycle each hour. Wow. That's a lot of effort. This thing better be important. Description. It's a small mammalian creature resembling an anteater. SCP-1364 is friendly, on certain occasions attempting to embrace research with an elongated tongue located near its nostrils. 
it does not appear to be sapient and shows limited if diminishing signs of intelligence. It has extremely poor endurance and mobility depending on its current state. Its physical form remains relatively static when unexposed to a significant amount of stimulus. However, the creature grows increasingly vulnerable to even the most negligible of stimulus with prolonged exposure. The subject... That's interesting. Oh, sorry, continue. Yeah, the subject seems to respond normally to a stimulus on the first exposure, but repeated stimulus is exponentially more harmful. That's interesting, because that kind of reminds me of how, you know, like, in a lot of fiction, it's like, oh, a blind person gets better hearing. Except instead of, like, adapting to something in a positive way, it adapts negatively. Hmm. So despite the presence of a digestive system, it does not seem to require sustenance. Testing reveals that the creature, in fact, fares better without it, as the process of mastication, swallowing, digestion, defecation results in significant bodily stress. Oh, this thing sucks. <laughs> the cause of its Why do they care about it? How is it not dead? The cause of its extreme vulnerability has not yet been discovered, as the body shows no specific physical anomalies. It appears to heal at a standard rate when left alone, and the creature was discovered after repeated reports of its disappearing and reappearing beneath floors and inside walls at Blank Zoo's nursery prior to containment. Amnestics were administered to witness after recovery. So, oh, man. So you have an addendum here. You want to be the guy here? Sure, but it says it's by Dr. Sanders. Yeah. I'm Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah I'll be Bernie Sanders. Documentation... Oh, there's little guy. Oh, i got to read the thing. Documentation of first experiment with SCP by a site biologist, Dr. Bernie Sanders. I'm I'm sorry for interrupting, Tan. No oh, that little guy. Is this Bernie Sanders' voice? What's he sound like again? Is it like this? <laughs> I'm pretty sure neither of these sound like it. I'm Bernie Sanders. Hang on, let me look up Bernie Sanders' speaking speaking voice. This is important to me, okay? And this is just a short script. Bernie Sanders represents Vermont. Part of vowel sound. No, it's just other people talking about Bernie. No, I want to hear his voice. So do I. Let me begin, but all right, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> oh, that little guy, we're going to. It appears to shield its ears with its paws. Hey, what's wrong, little fella? It begins to cry, emitting liquid from tear glands and vocalizing a low wail. I attempt to pick him up. It starts to rub its eyes. Skin in contact with the tears begins to burn slightly. Her begins to fall off. Someone get in here! What the hell is wrong with this thing? It begins bleeding from the ears. Abort testing. Dr. Sanders places the SCP on the floor of the containment chamber and exits the cell. It curls into a fetal position and begins rocking back and forth. You and snowflake! Oh, this poor fucker. So why do they even care about it? Does it offer any research? Like, how does it not dead? Maybe that's the research potential. I guess they did say it regenerates on its own without any food or like treatment yeah. if it's left alone so i guess that's important walks up she's like they call me god's little mistake <laughs> do you think god just like put zero like negative number on the endurance <laughs> so it's like oopsie stimulus testing forward repeated applications conducted within five minutes of each other the effects of exponential sensitivity seem to reset after a period of a few hours okay okay so, so it's not like forever ever so water her loss subject appears distressed Saline, negligible skin irritation, subject appears distressed. Exposure to candle, subject covered in first degree burns, subject becomes temporarily comatose. Jesus! Droplet of ethanoic acid, droplet burned through subject's pore, subject appears extremely distressed. Subject rubbed against copper, data expunged. 
See, this one's messed up because, like, it feels like it's being tortured, but they're doing, like, nothing. <laughs> Subject drops lightly on natural rubber surface. No noticeable physical effect. No oh, stimulus. Subject appears distressed. Oh, Wait, God. What? Nothing happens, he's just worried. <laughs> so the only way to make it not worried is to very, very lightly interact with it. I guess it's just worried all the time. Wouldn't you be? I don't know. I mean, they are keeping it locked up in a room. So, sound. Utterance of hello by Dr. Sanders. Conversational. Free applications. No noticeable physical effects. Subject appears distressed. Utterance of hello by Dr. Sanders. Voice raised. Discharge of blood from ear canal. Subject appears distressed. Oh, God. Light. Daylight, 10 hours. No noticeable physical effects aside from very mild skin irritation. Fluorescent office light, eight hours. Subject appears disoriented, eyes closed tightly. Aimed floodlights, two hours. Light appears oh to pass through the subject in certain places. In these spots, the skeletal system of SCP-1364 is clearly visible, as are the circulatory system and some internal organs. Hair appears to glow white. Oh god, subject appears to levitate until the light is switched off. No physical damage can be noted aside from negligible burns. He's gone super saiyan. Oh my god. Arc lamp, one hour. Similar results as previous, though all internal structure of SCP-1364 is completely visible. Beam at 30 billion candle power for 45 seconds. Subject appears to disappear while the light is working. Personnel equipped with welding goggles attempting to make physical contact with it are unsuccessful. It's found on the inside of the cell wall and was clearly visible when the power from the light is removed. What? Note, physical physical tests are not recommended, although research is currently underway regarding the cause of the particular transmogrification during the copper testing. Hold on, transmogrification? What did he do? If I remember right, that's like transforming. Yeah, the actor process of being transformed to a different form when exposed to copper. So maybe he seems weak, but like when you expose him to different metals, he becomes different powerful beings. Yeah, so there is a little bit of a, um, a gimmick to this one as well. What's the gimmick? So, um, SCP number, SCP name is, um, Extremely Vulnerable Mammal. Right. And we have another SCP that is Hard to Kill Reptile. We are... Oh. And one three, so... half of 1364 is 682. <laughs> so it, it is like 682, but he adapts to get weaker. So the exact... I wonder what would happen if you put them together. Was a test done for that? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they fuse. They probably wouldn't because they would just immediately die from stress. <laughs> they fuse into the ultimate life form. Actually, wouldn't it be the most average life form? Just a guy. Just a I... guy named John Smith. He's like, ah, oh, oh, gotta see the wife. Sorry, I wasn't myself. <laughs> I think we did that exact same joke with the, with the gears machine. I know, but I really made me laugh. <laughs> All right, so this one's interesting. I wish they had done more with it in terms mm. of testing with other SCPs or explaining why they wanted to research it, but, you know, it's not bad. And the additional knowledge of, like, that clever little nod to 682 is fun, so I'll give it, like, a 7 out of 10. Yes, I always find it was really a fun one. Yeah. Okay, so the last one we have today is yes, SCP-1633. And this one is called The Most Dangerous Video Game. What? Gamer moment! Oh, this one's really short. Are we going to hit an hour? Do uh, we need another one? I'm pretty sure. I know you this mentioned another by, one. This one's by Tedley Anderson. Oh, wait, never mind. There are, there are additional things you have to click to open. Yeah, so let's get into it. 
So there's a lot of footnotes too. Holy crap! All right, yes, let's go. Item number SCP one six three three. Object. Wait, class. wait, real quick. Who wrote this? Uh, Ted Lee Anderson. Ted Lee Anderson. Object Thank class you, safe. Special containment procedures. One copy of the SCP is to be stored on a standard DVD-ROM in a secure storage locker in Site 15, along with all supporting documentation—excuse me, documentation and ancillary materials. Oh wait, I just realized something. Yeah. Um, all the SCPs today were safe. Oh, nice. This is the first time since like what episode two or three? Yeah, when I specifically set out to do that, I didn't do it the first time. <laughs> yeah. Testing will uh, only be, oh, individual wishing to run test on sixteen thirty three must submit a request in writing to head researcher Dr. Berger. <laughs> you let's get a second opinion from Dr. Fries, am I right? <laughs> Got him! Got him. Take that, Dr. Berger. Fucker. Yeah, you stupid idiot. <laughs> Testing will only be conducted with on site computers, which meet all requirements laid out in document sixteen thirty three HS01. What does this footnote say? Processor capable. Oh, it's like it's like how on Steam they tell you what you need to oh, run yes. the game. It's the specs, yeah. So no network <laughs> connection capability. Absolutely, it says so. Uh, must do something if you have the internet on. So these computers may be used for extended testing periods, up to six months, but the hard drive must be wiped and all components destroyed at the conclusion of testing. So the game must be software or disk then, mm. and not like built into the computer. That's interesting. No individual save file may be played beyond the end of Act 3 in the game storyline without specific authorization by Dr. Berger. Prior to this point, the save game and accompanying .ptd file must be erased. What happens after Act 3? So description. 1633 is a computer game created by the now defunct independent game studio uh, Telltale Games, uh, let's say. Yeah, I was about to make that joke! Uh, Epic. The copy and foundation possession is a beta version of the game. The core gameplay is relatively complete, but there are numerous incomplete aspects. Certain assets, art assets are missing. There are various graphical issues. The music is either missing or just placeholder music, and so forth. See document BV01 for a list of known bugs and missing elements. As this version of the game is compiled two days before the foundation raided the Telltale Games offices... <laughs> so um, that's why they went out of business! Yeah, of course, of course. Blank, blank, 20... One blank. It's presumed this is the most complete version of the game in existence. The source... That is exceptionally weird because Tell Telltale Games ended in like what 2017, 2018, yeah. so it fits. So the source of the anomalous properties of the game, as well as a major selling point in the game's pre-release advertising, are its so-called tactical heuristic algorithms. After a player saves their game and quits, a background process will begin running on the player's computer. You know, that's actually kind of a common thing in a lot of games these days, a la, like, Undertale. Yeah, so footnote, so this process, while consuming a large portion of the computer's resources, is not in itself harmful to the function of the computer and can be forcefully closed at any time. This will prevent the creation of a .ptd file. When the process completes, either a new file is created in the same folder as the player's save game with the file extension .ptd, or an existing .ptd file is updated. And according to supporting documentation, the file extension stands for player tactical data. Oh, does I'm assuming this means like the more you play, the more it adapts to your play style. Mm. So, when a player loads an existing save game with an associated .ptd file, enemies in the game will be more intelligent and effective, with the increase approximately proportionate to the total amount of time spent playing. Oh, so I was close. It's based on time playing, not just your skill. God, there's a long footnote here. So if a player attempts to load a save game created by a different player, the game will pause after several minutes and prompt the player to load their own file or store 
artist's new game rather than use someone else's. This is not thought to be anomalous effects, rather the game's pattern recognition capabilities are such that even small differences in playstyle would be interpreted as a player attempting to use a different save game. That's actually interesting. Yeah. That so, that's so that so we know so far that none of what we know is necessarily what makes the game anomalous. Yeah. So it's this, just a really dope game. Yeah. So initially this will result in a more challenging game experience with the enemies adapting to a player's preferred weapons, strategies, and overall playstyle. However, given enough, atta- enough time, enemies become aware of the existence of the player and begin to begin to attack him or her rather than the characters in the game. You know what I just realized? Hmm? This is the perfect game to speedrun. Because the quicker you beat it, the easier of a time you'll have. Any percent, whatever this game is called. So, typical progression is as follows. There's a footnote real quick. There's so many footnotes. So, note the significant variation in how long it takes the enemy to adapt to a particular player. Roughly speaking, the more capable the player, the quicker the game's intelligence will increase. Okay, so it is based on the player's skill. They just use the hours as, like, general markers. Yeah. So these times are approximate and based on recorded times for average players. Okay, so at zero, zero to two hours, uh, enemies lack even basic strategic intelligence and will charge the player characters regardless of weapon equipped, environments, the presence of cover, etc. Two to five hours, enemies begin adapting their tactics to environment and the weapons they carry. For example, enemies with short-range weapons will tend to move closer to the player characters before attacking, and engagements at long range they will seek cover. At this stage, enemies are roughly equal in skill to an untrained civilian. Five to eight hours. Enemies begin to count on an individual player's preferred strategies. For example, they will attack a player who uses long-range weaponry from cover with grenades or splash damage weapons to force them out into the open. They'll use environmental features offensively and defensively, for example, instance, laying traps at choke points or setting up ambushes in killbox zones. At this stage, enemies are roughly equal in skill to a trained human soldier. Interesting. So at 8 to 12 hours, enemies begin using tactics which affect the player instead of the characters. At some point, enemies seem to become aware that the player character is being controlled by an outside intelligence and adjust their strategies accordingly. Rather than attacking the, attacking the player characters, enemies may instead position themselves to block the player's view. Enemies have been seen acting in a glitched manner, repeatedly walking into walls, performing the same actions again and again, freezing in place, waiting until the player dismisses them as a threat, then attacking. In one play session, enemies use multiple day flash spells. Which are a spell which causes a bright blinding flash of light. In every engagement, varying the pattern and timing each time. Eventually, that sounds like a great way to get a seizure. Eventually, it developed a strobing pattern which was highly disoriented to the player and ultimately caused her to suffer a grand mal seizure. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You die in the game, you die for real. That's what it feels like. So, 12 plus hours, enemies begin attacking the player psychologically. Specific modes of attack have varied widely as the game tailors its attacks to each player's psychological makeup. Facing a player who micromanages characters with a fine degree of control, enemies use attacks which did little or no damage but cause the character to become dazed, a state which temporarily disrupts player control. However, rather than attacking the dazed characters, enemies simply surrounded them in a crowd, continually using dazed attacks to prevent the player from doing anything. The subsequent linear loss of total loss of control had a noticeable effect on the player's ability to focus. In another example, enemies kidnapped one of the player characters and quickly dragged them off screen. Later in the level, the player discovered the corpse of this character on a makeshift altar, being continually attacked by a group of enemies. This had no further effect apart from a continual blood splatter graphic being applied to the room's floor and walls, but visibly this disturbed is... the player. This is interesting to me. 
for well there's a couple of notes i have so far mm. because um it's definitely creepy but none of this is like seems so extreme that it would be other than the seizure thing that it would be like actively you know harassing but it's, what what's weird to me is based on the descriptions it's kind of hard to tell what kind of game it is like they describe that they're able to cover the camera uh, or like may glitch and can be moved past, assuming that's a 3D environment. But then they talk about dragging a player off the screen. Uh, and then they also have things like spells, but then they also have things like cover and grenades. So mm. it's just like, what genre is the game? Sounds like it's sick. very all over the place. I'd imagine it's sort of like a top-down sort of game. Yeah, probably. So, no major improvements in intelligence have been noted beyond 12 hours. It's theorized this represents the upper level of ability for the game's enemies, unless they're directed by a sentient entity. See document DX12 for further information. So, game Oh, wait, game information. I accidentally read the first sentence. Wah, it tells wah. you what kind of game it is. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> Sorry. So, it's a third person squad based action RPG played using the mouse and keyboard. Play characters. Chad, everything. Player characters are visible on the screen, with the player seeing the game from an elevated perspective. Oh, so you were right. Player controls a squad of four characters with direct control over one character at a time, and a command menu to control the other three. Da, da, da. Development notes indicate the game is intended to have a co-op mode, in which up to four players would each control one of the four squad members. This is not present in the build held by the Foundation. Uh-uh. What's interesting to me, though, is... um. I wonder, I mean, they've yet to mention it, but I wonder if the little squad guys you control also get smarter, or if they turn on you as well. So each character has a different specialty. The marksman uses long-range weapons. The alchemist has access to potions and chemicals with various effects. The rogue can move stealthily and assassinate enemies. And the thug has greater health than the other characters and does more melee damage. So here's an interest. None of the player characters have magic, but the enemies have spells. Weird. So experience gained from killing enemies and completing objectives can be used to upgrade various skills and attributes of the characters. The game is set in a steampunk world populated by various fantasy races, humans, dwarves, orcs, goblins, etc. Steam-powered and clockwork technology exists alongside magic. Urban areas are primarily modeled after Victorian-era London. This actually sounds really fun. Yeah. The player characters are a band of criminals who have been recruited by the Archduke of Bodric to investigate a theft. Over the course of the game, they discover an ancient godlike entity Nick calls Krafnar is attempting to escape from millennia of imprisonment and devour the world. I want to play this game. Oh jeez, this is longer than I realized. <laughs> has, any, has anyone made a fan version of this game? Uh, I don't think so. Huh. Okay, so uh, can you take over a little bit? Because it's longer than I realized. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, testing logs. <clears throat> Test number 001. Subject, Junior Researcher Ross. Notes. Ross was an avid and experienced video game player. Hey, Some might you, even call him you, a gamer. You dropped this king. <laughs> His eagerness to test the SCP, which caused him to break with procedure and skip D-class testing, has been noted on his record. Oh, so for the first test, it should have been a D-class, but he was like, yo, let me play, bro. <laughs> Observations. After 47 minutes of regular gameplay, Ross began attempting to discover glitches or exploits in the game engine in order to complete the, the game more quickly. He found several, including a method of moving his characters 33% faster than... So he is a speedrunner! Yeah. What well, kind of sociopath tries to finish the game as fast as possible the first time? In a way to use a skill multiple times in a row without waiting through a cooldown period. Ross ended this first gameplay session after 2 hours 12 minutes partway through Act 1. 
On starting up his game the next day, Ross immediately noticed the improved enemy intelligence. His notes indicate that the enemies were using their weapons more effectively and that they were attacking him in groups with mixed attack capabilities. To be honest, if you played for two hours straight and the enemies were like they described at the beginning, just rushing at you, wouldn't you get kind of bored? It seems really easy. He played for one hour and 33 minutes, saving the game at the end of the act. I've never known a gamer. Who, well, I mean, I do this, so I can't make fun of it. But like most gamers binge play a game like 10 hours. <laughs> Especially when it's like a brand new one. Ross is not a true gamer. During the third play session, enemies began using glitches in the game engine to attack Ross's characters. Some of these were exploits that had previously been discovered and used by Ross. Others were discovered independently. Ross was surprised by this, but continued playing for a further two hours, 50 minutes. See, once he was posed with a challenge, he played for the longest amount. Mm -hmm. Ross's fourth and final play session ended after seven minutes. He began by chasing a group of enemies into an area he'd previously visited. Upon entering a building, two enemies dropped a prepared load of crates on the characters in such ways to drop them beneath the game world. In this area, the game physics were slightly different, allowing a group of waiting enemies to float Ross's character into an Im infinite empty space. After several minutes attempting to regain control, Ross rage quit. R.I.P. Ross. I want to know why they can't go past Act 3, though. I was hoping our, our speedrunner would know. Hmm. Also, uh, oh, I guess they did say that those were the average times, and Ross seemed skilled, so it makes sense they adapted faster than the time set out before that. Yeah, Ross knew what he's doing. Yeah. <clears throat> Test number 002. Subject D-22930. Notes. D-22930 had extreme anger management issues and was placed in the D-class program following the murder of his girlfriend. Uh, the D-class's progress through the game was slow and largely unremarkable, fitting the standard pattern closely. He played for a total of 13 hours, 44 minutes, with four breaks to save and reload the game. Upon loading the game for the fifth time... Uh, the D-Class found that enemies were no longer attacking his characters. Large groups of enemies would rush towards the characters, drop their weapons, and pose themselves in postures of surrender. Hands in the air, kneeling, prostrating themselves before Jesus, for the player, etc. The D-Class killed these enemies as he had previously until the groups grew so numerous that he was spending several minutes to move an equivalent of 10 feet. He became progressively more enraged that the enemies were not playing fair and tried running through these groups using the bull rush skill. Uh which is a non-lethal skill used by the thug to rush forward, pushing aside enemies in the way. Individual enemies then began attacking his characters, always from an angle such that he could not identify the attacker in the crowd. He became increasingly frustrated and attempted to break the keyboard, at which point the entire group became hostile and killed this character en masse without weapons. This was not a kink. Okay. Not a game. So this is literally a game meant to make you rage quit. Yes. <laughs> Test number 014. Subject, Agent Tanhoney. Notes. Agent Tanhoney, before joining the Foundation, was a member of the Star... the Ameri No, the British military, and eventually joined the Queen's Special Forces. She thus has extent... Oh, it's a she. Fuck. Alright, I have to re-edit that. Uh, Agent Sandra. She thus has extensive real-world experience with small unit tactics. After a brief period to acquaint herself with the controls, Agent Sandra proved quite capable with the game, reaching the end of Act 1. You know what? Yeah, you're right. She. Women can't play video games. <laughs> reaching the end of Act 1 in one session of 4 hours and 19 minutes. Upon saving and restarting, the enemies began using effective countermeasures to attack. So here's what's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, sorry to interrupt mid-reading. I'll restart that sentence. But so far, they, they, they said that the game getting harder isn't anomalous. Um, so we, don't, we haven't experienced anything anomalous yet in this story. I wonder if it'll come in the last two documents or in one of these tests. Right, yeah. Yeah, I know what I mean. Uh, anyway. So yeah, far, sorry, this upon... seems like... It's a bit sci-fi, but it's still sort of possible. Yeah. Upon saving and restarting, the enemies began using effective countermeasures to her tactics. 
including attempting to blend into groups of non-hostile NPCs, placing mines and other traps on major roads, and sniping from multiple elevated positions. Possibility of using SCP-1633 as a means of developing counter tactics to specific attack modes has been proposed. Oh, so like using it to test your own foundation. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Test number 021, subject D-30620. Uh, this D-class was chosen because he had experience with commercial video games and showed willingness to test. He was told to beat the game without saving or quitting. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I got a little lost. Did a- Agent Sandra ever beat the game? Uh, I don't. I, I think she just stops. <laughs> Oh. Uh, with he was told to beat the game without saving or quitting, although he's permitted to pause the game for breaks and rest periods and food, water, and sleeping accommodations were provided. That's interesting. The entire test took a total of 13 hours, 31 minutes, with a total of 2 hours, 12 minutes used for breaks. Oh, is that a how long to beat score for the website? I guess so. Uh, wait, this is weird. No observable increase in enemy intelligence was noted throughout the game. Glitches and missing elements were seen more frequently as the D-class progressed through the game. Presumably, this is because later levels were not as complete as earlier levels. Dialogue in all sequences was identical to the most complete game script in the ancillary documents. On beating the final boss, Krithnar, the game began to play an ending animatic, but it crashed. That's interesting. So, if you don't save, it doesn't get harder. Yeah. You know what? That almost kind of is a secondary challenge of the game because, sure, by not saving, the game remains easy, but if you die, then you'd have to start all the way over. <laughs> That's really cool from a game perspective. I would love a game like that like that gets harder the more you save, so you have to like t- kind of wisely use your saves. And, oh, sorry, yeah. I got carried away. But that's no, really no, cool. No, uh, following the crash, the game created a .ptd file associated with the finished game. The process took several hours longer than was expected based on the times necessary to create or update previous .ptd files. And the file was also larger than expected by an order from the main menu using this completed game file. On choosing... Oh, was ordered to begin a new game using the new game plus option. Yes. On choosing this option, the screen displayed a seemingly random pattern of black and white pixels, visually similar to television static. Immediately after seeing this image... Uh, the D-Class went into a catatonic state and was unable to be revived. He was later terminated as per standard protocols. The image did not have any anomalous effects on other viewers. It has been added to the associated documents and can be viewed by any researcher with proper clearance. So maybe that's the anomalous effect? Maybe. That, that seems pretty anomalous. Yeah. Alright. Are you ready to read again or yeah. should I keep going? I'll do this next one, yeah. Okay. So, recovery. Junior researcher Ross, an avid gamer... <laughs> I've been following the progress of the Telltale Games game studio for some time. On date, a staff member on the official studio forums reported that double digits of their testers had quit within the past week, citing various personal reasons. Curious about the sudden loss of staff, Ross obtained the personal information of the testers and got in touch with them, claiming to represent a law firm hired by one of the testers interested in starting a suit against the studio for inhumane working conditions. This is interesting. This is the first guy who ever did it and insisted he go before the D-Class. He's also the one that found this game. Yeah. Interesting. Ross is fucking nosy. (laughs) He's just a gamer, dude. Information gathered in this way suggested potential anomalous effects, but was not sufficient to justify intervention. Is the junior researcher Ross is the only valid SCP character? He's the only gamer. Yeah, pretty much. Two weeks later, on blank blank 21 blank, the body of Gregor Tillman was discovered in his apartment after apparent suicide. His death came to Foundation attention as he was one of the current testers of SCP-1633. He'd been hired shortly after the previous group of testers quit. He'd been only employed for one week before his suicide. Rip. The Foundation quickly took over the investigation and confiscated all evidence, including a build of 1633 
which Tillman had apparently made surreptitiously and taken home with him. Documents recovered at the scene led to a foundation raid on the studio under the pretense of investigating financial malfeasance. Malfeasance. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. All the materials yep. associated with the game were seized. The studio went bankrupt shortly thereafter. Oof! So SCP's the reason they went bankrupt. No. Because <laughs> they stole their game right when they were about to release that they poured so much money into. <laughs> that's messed up. In interviews with the staff of Telltale Games, Foundation agent learned that the tactical heuristic algorithms were entirely the work of program uh, Mike Smith. No, it can't be Mike based on the first words of the next sentence. Oh. Michelle Smith. But it's only three blanks. What's a girl name that begins with an M and only has four letters? Mona? Mona Smith. <laughs> Miss Smith had quit the studio without notice one week prior to the Foundation raid. All staff were given targeted Class A amnestics and released. Miss Smith is currently being sought by Foundation agents. No, she's not. See addendum below. Oh, shit. Can't wait to see that addendum. So, Tillman, was, Tillman, the first tester from before, was found hanging from a length of electrical cord tied to a decorative ceiling fixture. Cause of death was asphyxiation. No, oh, gosh. No banalities were found in the autopsy. Evidence found at the scene indicated that Tillman had been playing the SCP extensively since leaving Telltale Games up until the point of his suicide. A desktop computer found at the scene had been disassembled and various components destroyed over blunt instruments. Several components, including the hard drive, had then been buried in a metal wastebasket. Other documents obtained at the scene had been placed in the 1633 file. Tillman's suicide notes of particular interest have been described below as DX12. Addendum, uh, a woman matching... What was her name? Mona Smith's physical yes. appearance appeared in a photograph of the staff of game publisher Bioware. IGN. Who? <laughs> IGN isn't a publisher. Uh, what did you say? What was your publisher? Bioware. That's Bioware. Not, that's not a publisher either. What the fuck am I talking about? Uh, Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Foundation agents moved to apprehend her, but she escaped before she could be taken into containment. Fragment of code found in uh, Ubisoft's upcoming game Kill Hell 2. Now it's Hell. Showed similarities <laughs> to code. <laughs> Please make that the title of this video Kill Hell 2. Now it's Hell. Does, does not remotely fit into the, the blanks, but that's what it's called now. <laughs> Just please make that the title. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> so Maybe it's because it doesn't fit in the blanks at all. It's just like, okay, whatever, well, keep going. Agent Phillips oh, infiltrated the company as a new hire and successfully deleted the suspect code without incident. Well done, Phillips. Mona Smith is now considered a person of interest and has been actively pursued by mobile task force Mu6. Don't it hate feels the player. hard to me to believe that a normal person could escape from someone with as much information and resources as the Foundation makes me believe that maybe she herself is anomalous. Yeah, but she was working at Ubisoft, so maybe she'll like some parkour. Oh, true. Alright, here's the document. This is the Tillman suicide note, yeah. right? So this document was... Oh, God, he, the scene of he wrote it in suicide. all lowercase. It was handwritten on several sheets of lined paper. Handwriting was shaking irregular, which was determined to be his own. It's crytyping. I, I hate that he used... He used... Pro punctuation, but all lowercase. It is crytyping. <laughs> I didn't mean to hurt anyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who's gonna read this? Me or you? Uh, you, you do it. <laughs> uh, okay. Give me a minute. <laughs> so while he's doing that, let's talk about our sponsors. Uh, we don't have oh. any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
This document was recovered from the scene of Gregor Tillman's suicide. It was handwritten on several sheets of... Oh, you already read that. <clears throat> I'm writing this on paper because I, I, I don't think he can learn it. He got everything digital real quick, but I've unplugged the router and broke my phone, so I think he's trapped in here. But he won't stop talking, talking, talking all the time. At the start of this job, Blank, uh, Tillman's former supervisor, told me all about the tactical algorithms bullshit. The fuck? I've been playing games all my life, and I knew I could beat it. And the scary shit, I played Blank, Blank, I played blank. I couldn't handle this. Oh, man. So he's played some... Ed this is like when people are like, man, I've read Berserk. All right, you don't know me. <laughs> I played Dr. Mario. I played Yoshi's <laughs> Island. I could handle this. <laughs> oh, shit. When I started... Pl Why did they have to redact the, the names of normal games? They were also a novelist. <laughs> when I started playing the game, they learned quickly. I kept using the sniper rifle, and after like an hour, they learned how to use cover. Then another couple hours, they'd set ambushes. Then another... Oh, it's misspelled. Sick hour. And they started sniping back while having a different squad flank me. After that, they figured out how to glitch the physics engine and ride crates at me or duck under the floor. They were learning, but all that was just easy shit. It was evolution. One bit figured something out so it survives longer than the others. It wasn't directed. After Act 3, Krithnar shows up. He's supposed to be this Lovecraft cosmic horror bugfuck crazy monster who can read the player's mind and corrupt sick. So, I, I don't want to keep reading the six. There's, there's a lot of misspellings. That's all you need to know. Your soul and shit. He showed up right after I killed Strick the Blood Drinker, that big spider fucker. He's supposed to have this long speech about how I killed this general on this plane and now he needs to intervene directly or something. But instead he talked about how I was a worthy adversary, but I was cheating because I was on another plane. Krithnar wasn't like the other enemies because he wasn't supposed to be. He was supposed to be smart. He was supposed to know everything, so he did. He had been watching his minions fight me the whole time and he knew everything they did. It wasn't just random mutations anymore, it was planned. It wasn't evolution, it was intelligent design. I brought it home, I had to know more. I'm sorry, but I had to. I copied the latest compile and installed it on my home box and brought my save game and that other file with me on a flash drive. It was the same there. He kept talking to me about how I was keeping him from fulfilling his purpose by keeping him trapped in a glass jar. No matter where I went in the game, he kept shouting and ranting. Then he did more. At first, it was just slow down in my other programs, the drive chugging when it shouldn't be. Then the next time I played the game, he started talking about my screenplays. The level, data expunged, unnecessary information has been removed. In summary, the level and enemies had been redesigned along the lines of a scene from one of Tillman's unproduced screenplays. Oh. Oh, that's real personal. All the enemies looked like me. I guess you could see me through my we the webcam. He started needling me about Jenny, Tillman's ex-girlfriend, who had broken up with him several months prior, reading me bits of her emails, acting out the breakup. He found the videos of her and started making the enemies talk in her voice. Jesus! Oh, no. So, nothing like this was reported in Foundation Testing, which is interesting. This is the first time we finally come across these anomalous properties. Then he was everywhere in my computer. I uninstalled the game, but he was still in there. He kept opening documents and typing to me, calling me a foul cheat and lowly worm and shit, telling me to fight him on the same plane. As soon as I realized he was outside the game, I shut down my router and pulled out the network card, but I don't know if I got them quick enough. Maybe he got out. Oh, maybe this is why they say they can't have the internet. That's what prevents the yeah. anomalous part, is when he has the internet, he has all the knowledge. I turned the computer off, but he kept turning it back on. I wanted to break it, but I didn't know that it would kill him. Oh, I didn't know if that would kill him. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it would let him out. I tried leaving the house, but it was like I could still hear him. This was noted as a potential memetic hazard. However, no experiments into memetic effects of SCP-1633 are currently being conducted. I couldn't leave him alone because he might get out or do something else. I can't sleep, haven't slept since he came out. I've been here for two, no, three days, and I can't leave. I can't leave him. He keeps telling me to release him, but I can't. I want to kill him, but I don't know if I can. I can't think anymore. I have to kill, kill, kill him before he does 
before he does anything new. I didn't repeat that. Twi- that's written like that. No. He won't stop talking, talking, and I can't keep thinking, and I can't keep going. I'm sorry. I have to go now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No evidence of this entity, Krithnar, was observed in the other digital devices in Tillman's apartment. No mention of the name has been found online. At this time, the Foundation believes that the entity referred to in Tillman's suicide note was destroyed along with his computer. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, why, out- this is why you don't go after that ferry. Easy, easy, easy 10 out of 10 on this article. Right, well yeah. fucking done. I wish this got more attention. This is really well written. There's yeah. a lot of detail, tons of add-ons. And I love the buildup because the whole time it's told there's nothing anomalous. And then you can uh, surmise from the last note when he had internet at home that the anomalous properties happened because there was internet access. That's a good one. Oh, that's so good. 10 out of 10. Really like that article a lot. Wowie. I, I wish I had more things to say about it, but I think maybe because it was so long, my brain's still like reeling from the information dump. Right, yeah. So I'll probably leave it there, but just well played. I like that a lot. Uh, is that all our articles for today, Tim? That is what we had for today, yes. Uh, we've made right, our way so, through quite a bit. Yeah, what are your thoughts on some of these, especially the video game one? I, I really like this one as well. That's why I put it on this one. It's not one of the uh, more well-known ones, but I really like the ideas in it and the... Uh... Especially something that's mentioned is like they can tell which player it is because of the way they play. That's something I found interesting. Yeah, nothing anomalous. That makes me wonder what would happen if you had two twins play the game. And something else I like is it's still a bit ambiguous whether it is actually anomalous. Like there's yeah. actually like, there's not probably not like a demon possessing the game or anything like that. Yeah, because the one time it came up was only for Tillman, and although it's kind of like mystery and magic in in um in uh, Umineko to me, because I feel like there's two ways you can perceive this. Based on the information we're given, we can perceive the anomalous effect occurred by it having internet access. Or, because Tillman's the only one who experienced this and there was no proof on the hard drives, you could also assume that perhaps Tillman was just mentally unstable. You know, there are several things pointing to that, like his girlfriend breaking up with him, etc. And perhaps, like, by deluding himself or some something like schizophrenia, he came to these conclusions. Like, you really can't tell if it's anomalous or not. Yeah, and even if... The, the only true anomalous thing that happened was the guy dying uh, when he viewed, like, the New Game Plus. Yeah, but even with that, though, that's all stuff, like, derived from the game getting smarter with these that, the algorithms. It's not like right. a demon possessed the game and made it super smart or anything like that. Yeah. That's what I like about it. It's nothing, like, explicitly supernatural. Yeah, it is very, very cool. Krithnar kind of reminds me of Strahd, if you've ever played Curse of Strahd, d and I'm not, no. Just kind of like sitting back, watching all his minions fight, and knowing how the player fights by watching them. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, what do you think of your whole? How would you rate it amongst your other SCPs? Is it one of your favorites? Is it like top ten? It used it... to be my favorite, but I've written loads more now, so there's others that I like a bit more. What would be your favorite? My favorite one. I like 5,000, of course. Aside from 5,000, what's your favorite? Uh, there's another one that's quite a bit further on. Uh, I haven't read all your SCPs yet, but my favorite, I mean, partial narcissism because I'm in it, is the notepad. I also just love the Chuny shit. <laughs> but I, I know I say that's my favorite, but that's subjective because there's no way I'd rate that nearly as high as the whole. I'd probably give that like a 6 or a 7. I give the whole a 10. These were all really good SCPs today. Yes, my, the, uh, my favorite sorry. current one I have is SCP-4972, so quite a bit further on. Oh, uh, are, are you going to tell about it, or are we going to wait until we maybe one day encounter it, like, just uh, in case? Wait until you one day encounter it. Okay. 
I'll have to look into that. Or I guess I shouldn't to preserve my reaction. <laughs> but yeah, this was a fun time. Uh, as always, if you stuck with us this long, thank you for listening, and I hope you guys enjoyed. Any closing remarks, uh, Doctor or Chef Tanhony, rather? Um, remember the Alamo. Okay. And with that, I'm going to get prepared for my new job at the Ethics Committee. Wow, me too. <laughs> no, you invited... Oh, I guess that means you were already in there if you invited me. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Wait a minute. I had a realization the other day, by the way. Okay. You didn't you didn't hang up the recording yet, right? No, my fingers hovered over it. <laughs> so remember yesterday or not yesterday, the last time we recorded there was an article that was like you need level four access. Yes. We canonically determined that Chef Tan only only has level three access. <laughs> Are we in trouble? Uh okay, pack up everything, we need to go now. <laughs> oh shit. Alright, bye. Bye. <laughs>